the stronger and more compelling your communication gets, the more invested leaders and executives feel in you and your work, and they end up paying more attention, supporting you more, getting to know you more, championing for you more in the long run. There are fewer, more valuable things that you can focus on in your career than making sure that when you are in front of leaders and executives, the way that you speak to them is super compelling. And that's what we're doing today. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. Good morning. If you're listening in the morning, this is the first thing I'm doing to get my day started. And I am so excited to kick off my day recording this episode for you. If you're new to the art of speaking up, welcome. My name is Jess. I am the host and creator of this show. And I am a career coach for women. And my work is really here to help you and to help all professional women build confidence, develop a super effective, compelling communication style, and ultimately elevate into leadership positions. I created this show because I had a corporate career. I wanted a leadership position. I wanted a big, exciting, juicy, upwardly mobile career, but I struggled so much with self-confidence. And eventually, I got to where I wanted in my career, and I landed an executive position, and I was on this very quick, upwardly mobile track in the corporate space and super successful. But I really felt like for me, in my professional journey in the corporate space, something had been missing. I couldn't find professional development advice and resources that resonated with me. I felt like the stuff that was out there either felt oversimplified or very outdated and just like it wasn't inspiring me and speaking to me. And I started this podcast because I wondered, I was like, well, what if it just doesn't exist? And what if if I create it, it will exist? And that's always how I viewed this show. And I'm so honored that you're listening and so excited to be here supporting you in your growth, whether you are listening right now on your commute to work, which, oh my gosh, I'm so honored to be part of your commute. I feel like commuting is a very important time. And for me to like have made the cut to be in your ears during your commute, I take that very seriously. Like that humbles me. So thank you. But regardless of how you're listening, thank you for being here. I'm so excited for today's episode. I'm going to be talking about how to be really compelling to executives when you speak. This is something that really helped me advance in my corporate career. And to be quite honest, the longer that I coach women on this and the longer that I have this podcast and do this work, the more I realize that a lot of advanced communication skills come very naturally to me. It's just kind of how my brain works for some reason. And so part of what I've done for this episode and for the Art of Speaking Up Academy and just for so much of my work is sort of reverse engineering 
what was it that I was doing in my corporate career that was having such a positive effect on the leaders around me? Like, what was my secret sauce or my magic fairy dust that I didn't even realize that I was sprinkling on everything that I shared? And how can I give it to you? And that's really what this episode is, because the stronger and more compelling your communication gets, the more invested leaders and executives feel in you and your work, and they end up paying more attention, supporting you more, getting to know you more, championing for you more in the long run. There are fewer, more valuable things that you can focus on in your career than making sure that when you are in front of leaders and executives, the way that you speak to them is super compelling. And that's what we're doing today. Before I dive in, I want to quickly plug the Art of Speaking Up free resource library, which is a place where I have combined all of my free video courses and ebooks and worksheets and unpublished podcast episodes in one super organized, easy to access place. So if you want to dive into more of the courses and unpublished podcast episodes that I have created to help you find your voice and really thrive in your career, head over to justgazitcoaching.com slash free resources or check out the link in the show notes to access the Art of Speaking Up free resource library where you will find so many free courses designed to help you with assertiveness, finding your voice, executive communication, stepping into leadership. It's all in there. Whatever your goal is, you will find something in there that is relevant to you. Head over to justgazitcoaching.com slash free resources to get access to an entire library full of free video courses, ebooks, audio courses, and bonus podcast episodes. And I hope you enjoy. Okay. So now we're going to talk about how to be compelling to leaders and executives when you speak. And there are a few layers to this. So when I think about communication and I think about helping you become more effective and compelling, also when I'm thinking about guiding my one-on-one clients and also in the design of my group program, The Art of Speaking Up Academy, The way that I approach this and the way that I approach getting you or my clients to this goal is I think about compelling, excellent executive communication as being built in layers from the most basic layer to the more advanced layers, right? So you don't want to jump into making your communication super, super advanced if you don't have the foundations down. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm just going to walk you through what the foundations are that you want to make sure you have in place because those are more important to start with before you jump on to some of the more advanced adjustments that you'll make to your communication to ensure it's super compelling. And then once I've walked through the foundations, then we're going to walk through some of the more advanced skills. So I'm going to be giving you a high-level overview of all of that in today's episode. And the best analogy that I could think of for one, and I feel like this is such a loaded topic, and no, it's not politics. It's possibly even more loaded than politics. We'll see. (laughs) But the topic that I'm using to teach you this is the topic of wedding dress shopping because that like, honestly, I don't know. I don't like love this as an example, but it fits really well with how I want to teach this. So we're going to go with it. 
Okay, so wedding dress shopping. I want you to imagine that you are shopping for a wedding dress. And let's just imagine, like, regardless of your feelings on this topic, I just have a lot of feelings about weddings and, like, gender roles and expectations and, like, the wedding industrial complex. I just feel like it's a really loaded topic. But regardless of, like, how any of us feel about it, let's just imagine that you are really, really excited to buy your wedding dress as, you know, so many women are, right? Like it's a super exciting, what like literally once in a lifetime experience. And you have made wedding dress appointments at three different stores and you are so excited to visit these three stores. And for simplicity's sake, let's just call them store one, store two, and store three. Okay. So I want you to imagine that you walk into store one, and as soon as you walk into the store, it is a mess. There are wedding dresses strewn on the floor. There are some chairs, and there's a lounging area, and all the chairs are covered in like rumpled up, wrinkly wedding dresses. There's absolutely no organization to the store whatsoever. You cannot tell what kind of dresses are in what kind of section. And the racks are so packed with dresses that you can barely even move the hangers to see what's there. And you walk into the store and you feel immediately overwhelmed. And the immediate thing that you feel when walking into a store like that is like, I want to (laughs) leave. I want to get out of here right away. So I want you to imagine then that the sales clerk comes over to you, or maybe it's more of like the bridal consultant comes over to you and says, hey, like, I'm so glad you're here. It's time for your appointment. How can I help you? And you feel so overwhelmed by how disorganized this store is that you are like, I actually have to go. I'm so sorry. I realized I have a conflict on my calendar and I unfortunately won't be able to complete my appointment here. (laughs) And you get out of store one because it is stressing you out. It was so messy. It was so hard to understand what was there and what was available to buy. And, you know, you might be a little stressed out to begin with because this is a big decision, you know, buying a wedding dress. First of all, it's a financial investment, right? Like wedding dresses are not inexpensive at all. And it's also just such an important one-time decision that you want to get right. And you don't want the added stress of having to shop for your wedding dress at a place that is so chaotic. So you decide to leave store number one and you're kind of disappointed. You're like, wow, like I was really excited to get started. And like, that was kind of, you know, a weird way to to start the day. But I'm looking forward to store number two. Store number two will hopefully be much better and less chaotic and messy and disorganized. So let me just head over early for my appointment at store number two. And who knows, maybe they'll be able to start me early or if not, I'll just hang around and wait. So you go over to store number two, and to your relief, you walk in, and it is the most meticulously organized store you have possibly ever encountered. First of all, the entire store is neatly sectioned off 
by style of dress. So you can clearly see that in one corner of the store, there's a label that says, I don't know that much about wedding styles. So I'm just going to make up like what I think they might be. There's a label that says like princess gowns, right? And then in another corner of the store, there's um, an area labeled mermaid. And then there's another area labeled like lace and vintage and Each section, even within the section, is beautifully organized. The dresses are on the racks in a way where you can see them really, really easily. There's enough space between each one that you can get a look at each dress and really get a sense of everything that's in the store because it's laid out in a way that is so user-friendly. And you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm so relieved I can finally begin this process. This store is so beautifully organized. I feel so excited. And lo and behold, the bridal consultant comes up to you and says, I see you're early for your appointment, but if you'd like, we can go ahead and get started. And you say, absolutely. And you are very excited to start talking about your wedding and you're anticipating that the bridal consultant is going to ask you questions about you and your wedding and your husband or partner or whoever it is that you are getting married to and you are ready to go. And then things don't go exactly the way that you expected. So the bridal consultant says, follow me. I'm going to lead you into the dressing room. Now you're going to wait here and I'm going to bring you one dress in each style. And you're going to try on each of the five dresses that I bring you. And you're going to let me know which styles you like and which styles you don't like. And then once you let me know which styles you like, I'm going to bring you more examples to try on of only the styles you like. And we'll continue narrowing until we're down to just one dress. How does that sound? (laughs) And you barely respond because you're so stunned by how transactional the consultant is being. You were ready to gush to the the bridal consultant about how excited you are to marry your human and how the two of you met and how the signature drink at your wedding is going to be designed based on your love story. And none of those questions were asked. The consultant didn't even ask you what kind of dress you wanted. They just assumed that you wanted to try everything. Then they come back with five dresses. You know, they hang them in the dressing room and they say, great, as soon as you've tried them on, let me know which one you like. And then I'll bring you more in that style. And you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I'm not even going to like come out and show it to my friends like they do and say yes to the dress. I'm just going to like quickly try on these five dresses and tell this bridal consultant what I like. And you're feeling sad and disappointed. And you're like, wow, this isn't at all how I imagined this day was going to go. Like, yes, store number two is infinitely better than store number one. It's not a mess. It's not chaotic. I actually wanted to go in and do my appointment. But I really wasn't envisioning that I was just going to be trying on five different dresses in the dressing room and narrowing it down systematically. This really isn't how I wanted this day to be. And so you're feeling a little bummed and a little disappointed, a little stressed out. And so you think to yourself, you know what, like this isn't how I wanted this appointment to go. This isn't the experience that I want to have in purchasing my wedding dress. 
I'm going to go ahead and end this appointment early and hope that store number three does a better job meeting my expectations. You let the bridal consultant know, hey, you know, none of these styles are working for me. I think I'm actually going to close out this appointment, but thank you so much for your help. And you somewhat hesitatingly (laughs) head over to store number three, feeling a little bit concerned about what the experience is going to be like, because thus far you've been a little bit disappointed and you've felt like the day is really not unfolding how you imagined or how you wanted it to. But you think to yourself, all right, just one more left. And then this whole day is over. And then if this one doesn't go well, I can kind of regroup and figure out my next steps. So what happens is you go into store number three and similar to store number two, Thank God it is beautifully organized, it is meticulous, it is sparkling. Not only is it as organized as store number two, but just the aesthetics inside the store are so beautiful. Every little last detail is thought out from the gorgeous little flower pot on the side table in the lounge to the antique style frames on the big mirrors that reflect back, you know, your image to you as you're standing in front of them in the dress. And you're like, wow, Store number three really does look like it might provide the experience that I've been hoping for. And the bridal consultant comes up to you and says, it's so good to see you. This is such a special day. You must be so excited to begin this process. And you say, to be honest, it's been kind of a long day. I just wrapped up at store number one and store number two down the street. And I'm just feeling a little down and a little tired from the day so far. And the bridal consultant says, I totally understand. I want to make sure that your experience at store number three is special and exciting and memorable. I know that wedding dress shopping can be stressful and it can bring up a lot, but I want to do my best to make sure that you enjoy it, make sure that you get to sample lots of dresses and make sure that we create a process that feels like a really special part of your wedding planning and your love story. With that said, can you tell me a little bit about your love story and your wedding and how it's feeling to be shopping for a wedding dress? And all of a sudden, as she asks you that question, you feel like a wave of warmth come over you. And you're like, oh my gosh, she actually cares about me and she's getting to know me and she's asking me questions. And as you start to talk to her about your wedding and your love story, she asks you more questions and you're feeling so taken care of. And she says, well, understanding that your wedding is more of a modern theme, are you thinking about a modern dress or are you open to lots of different styles? And you let her know that you're really open and that you don't want to write anything off. And she says, well, great. How do you feel about going with a few very, very different kinds of dresses and we can see how you feel in them. You can share the ones that you want to share with your friends and you can come out and we can all share our thoughts. And then based on that, we can figure out what style or styles are the ones that you want to explore more as you find your dress for your special day. And you're like, oh, that sounds amazing. And you're thinking to yourself, well, that's that process sounds somewhat similar to store number two, but I feel so much more taken care of here. And this feels so much more fun. And so you get in the room 
And the bridal consultant brings out the dresses and says, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Do you prefer to step into them by yourself? Would you like me to come in and help you get adjusted and help you get inside the dress? And you're feeling taken care of and comfortable. And so you say, yes, I'd love a little help. This seems kind of hard and complicated. And she says, no problem. I've got you. And you spend the rest of your day at store number three trying on dresses, stepping outside to show them to your friends. You're feeling amazing. You're feeling like a total queen. And at the end of the appointment, you narrow it down and you find your perfect dress and you leave feeling a sense of relief, feeling a sense of like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that store number three wasn't the same as the first two stores because otherwise like this day that I was like looking forward to and really excited about could have turned out to be really, really disappointing. And so you have your dress, you have the most beautiful wedding, and everyone lives happily ever after. So the reason that I created this analogy is because wedding store number one, store number two, and store number three are the perfect way for us to understand different levels of communication skills and the impact that each of those levels of communication skills has on the audience, right? So what I'm trying to help you with is I want to help you be store number three so that when executives come into your bridal store (laughs) to get fitted for their wedding gowns, this is the funny image of all the executives shopping for their wedding gowns, but whatever, it's the analogy, let's go with it. But when they come into your store, they have an amazing experience, right? And the way that I think about it is like when you're wedding dress shopping store to store, you're seeing all the different stores and their strengths and weaknesses become obvious because you're going from store to store. So you're naturally going to be comparing them. Likewise, if you think about a busy executive, well, they're not going from wedding store to wedding store, but they are going from meeting to meeting, back to back, right? Most leaders have a pretty full meeting schedule. Many of them will carve out a lot of like white space on their calendars. But I mean, in a given week, they're going to be going meeting to meeting for sure. And as they sit in these different meetings, they encounter various levels of sophistication in terms of the way that the person leading the meeting is communicating with the executive. So just like you shopping for your wedding dress are encountering all of these different stores and having these different experiences that really stand out because it's one after the other, Similarly, executives are popping into different meetings that are being run at all sorts of different communication levels and all sorts of levels of sophistication. And so for them, the differences can be quite noticeable. This is why it's so essential that you are operating like store number three, because if someone only shops at one wedding store and they only ever go to store number one, then they might just think like all wedding dress stores are of poor quality, right? And it might not land as like an issue. Similarly, if an executive only is in like one meeting and it's messy and the communication isn't sharp and refined for the executive, well, they don't have a lot to compare it to. But when they're in back-to-back meetings, then a meeting can really stand out, right? Either in a good way or in a way that doesn't feel like a good use of that leader's time. And so your goal is to stand out in a good way. You want your meaning and your communication to give the executive the experience of store number three. 
So I want to dive into stores number one, two, and three to explain the differences to you so that you understand what it is you want to achieve in order to make sure that you are functioning as store number three for your executive audience. And by the way, when I say executive audience, um, all I mean by that is that your audience is more tenured than you, right? So an executive can mean a leader, right? But depending on where you sit in the organization, maybe your most senior, most executive audience is just your boss, regardless of where they sit in the organization. But really what we're talking about is an audience who is in a leadership position, who comes with a level of sophistication, and who has many meetings on their calendar and is likely to notice and pick up on the differences in communication quality and style. Okay, so here's how I think about stores number one, two, and three. And here's how I think about developing a well-rounded, super effective, super compelling communication skill set. The way that I think about our communication skills is I think about them in layers where we want to start by building the foundational layers first. And then once we have the foundational layers in place, then we want to begin developing more advanced communication skills that sit on top of those foundational layers. And what I have found with communication when it comes to the foundations is once you learn the foundations, you come back to them over and over and over. So it's not like the foundational communication skills become easier necessarily once you know them because they're foundational. It's just that you need them in place in order for it to make sense for you to amplify the impact of your communication with more advanced skills. And this will make sense as I get deeper into explaining this. So here's how I think about it. I think about store one as the most ineffective type of communication because it is lacking the most important foundation, which is found in store number two, which is clarity and an experience of clarity, simplicity, and ease for the audience. When we are communicating, it's as if our audience is walking into our store. And just like in the wedding dress example, when you walk into store number one, you immediately want to leave because it is so disorganized that it stresses you out. It elicits a negative response. Whereas with store number two, because it was so organized, it elicited a positive response and you felt a sense of relief and you felt like, okay, maybe store number two is going to be much better. Now, store number two had some other issues, which we'll talk about later, but in comparing store number one and store number two, store number two is the clear winner, and this is because of how effectively and simply and clearly its contents are arranged. So store number one and two could have the same exact inventory. Let's say both stores carry 150 styles of wedding dresses, but in store number one, they're jam-packed together, they're not organized, they're rumpled on the floor, and in store number two, they're neatly organized, easily accessible on hangers. Which store do you want to shop at? Probably store number two. Well, what if I argue with you and what if I say, yeah, but like store number one has the same exact dresses, the same exact dresses, so what's the difference? You would say, well, it's so much easier and so much more pleasant at store number two. And the reason I say this to you is because a common argument that comes up or a common counterpoint that comes up when I'm teaching communication 
is people will say to me, like, why do I need to spend this time making my communication better, sharpening it, making it clear, thinking about my audience, when in the end of the day, I need to get them the same information. So why am I spending all of this time making sure that it's communicated in this way when I just need to get the information across to my audience? And to that question, I ask you, why do you want to shop at store number two when it's the same exact 150 wedding dresses? Oh, because it feels better and easier. It's the same for your audience. Okay, the content is the same. The wedding dresses are the same. But the experience of consuming the content, the experience of looking through the wedding dresses, 100% not the same. So if you're asking yourself this question of like, well, why do I need to spend time refining my content when in the end of the day, the core message is the same, that is a signal that you haven't put yourself in the shoes of the audience. Because as soon as you ask yourself, would I choose store number one or store number two, it becomes clear that just because the content is the same doesn't mean the experience will be the same. And so I know sometimes it can feel hard to like slow down and be like, oh my gosh, it's already so much work just to do my work. And now I have to think about how to frame it up for my audience. But here's what I'll say. Yes, you have to slow down a little. Yes, you have to put in a little bit of extra effort to organize your content, to make your quote unquote store look really, really good for your executive audience as they shop for wedding dresses. But here's what I'll say. That might take more time up front. But when store number one goes bankrupt because no one wants to shop in that store, things are going to start to look a little bit different, right? Now, store number one is going to be spending way more time opening up a new store from scratch because they didn't slow down to set up their store in a way that would create a sustainable business. So it's really like a classic tortoise and the hare You can be like the hare and you can be like, I don't want to slow down and put this extra effort into the work that I'm doing. But the problem is the hare doesn't win the race because with the tortoise, you're creating a sustainable, compelling experience for your audience. You might have to put in extra time up front to create that experience. And it's going to save you time on the back end as you experience more success in your career. So it's so important to zoom out and look at the long game of these decisions and really think about like, okay, I can rush through this and I can put it in front of executives and I can waste the opportunity of FaceTime and the opportunity to show them how strong my work and my leadership is Or I can take more time and seize that opportunity. And that might mean spending a little bit extra time working on my materials, right? If you're a client of mine, that might mean carving out an hour a week to be with me one-on-one or be with me inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy. Whatever that time commitment looks like for you, that time commitment will translate into you getting to success and crossing the finish line faster, getting that promotion faster, getting your project done faster. So you really have to think about the bigger picture here. You really want to have that top-down leadership thinking in terms of like, well, what is the overall impact of me choosing to be store number two for these executives versus store number one? 
And I consider store number two, the foundations. So foundationally, you want your communication to be simple, to be clear, to be organized. And as soon as your audience hears you speak in your meeting, sees the first page of your deck, like whatever it is, the first thing that they're exposed to, even the meeting invite, everything they see, it should be inviting them in. It should be clean. It should be simple. It should be clear. It should be obvious. I want you to imagine every time you send a meeting invite, every time you kick off a meeting, every time you project a PowerPoint slide, I want you to imagine that your audience just came from store number one. They just came from store number one. They have a headache. They're like, that was a mess. That was chaotic. This is your chance to distinguish yourself from store number one and be more like store number two. Okay. So that's the first piece of the foundation, which is clear, crisp, simple, organized. This takes time, especially if you're sharing something complicated with your audience. But here's the thing. Either you have to put in the time to simplify it for them, or they have to put in the time themselves to understand it. So the more that you put in the time, the more burden you take off of them, the better experience they're going to have with you, the stronger reputation you are going to build. Now let's talk about store number three and the advanced communication skills that we want to layer on top. And this is why I love this wedding dress shopping analogy, because we can also clearly see the difference between store number two, where the bridal consultant didn't show a lot of interest in you, didn't ask you about your wedding, was very, very transactional with you, right? Versus store number three, where the bridal consultant made you feel special and took the time to really get to know you and what you wanted. And it's also where you ultimately chose to buy your dress. Now, this is really important because it shows us that those foundations of your content being organized, crisp, easy to digest, it shows us that while those foundations get you really far and they absolutely will distinguish you and they will make you stand out from store number one, the story doesn't end there because there's more to the customer experience in the wedding dress example or in the case of meetings and work communication, there's more to the audience experience than just the clarity and structure of the content and of the communication. And this is where we get into the advanced communication skills. But it is much more important to start with a solid foundation, right? Because if you, let's say you walk into store number one, which is lacking the foundation of clarity and simplicity, and the bridal consultant or the sales clerk is very friendly and seems very interested in you, you are still going to have a hard time engaging because of how stressful the atmosphere is. We first want to have an immaculately organized atmosphere, store, meeting, PowerPoint deck, verbal contribution, right? We first want that to be crisp and clear. We want to get good on that before we layer on some of these more advanced skills. Now, here's the interesting thing, right? The, one of the key differences between store number two and store number three is that store number two, while very organized and aesthetically pleasing inside, the approach that the bridal consultant took was highly transactional. And as a customer, that didn't give you the best experience. Now, what's interesting is that I could make the same exact argument and counter argument that I made about store number one versus store number two, where I was like, well, the wedding dresses are exactly the same. It's the same 150 designs, so why does it matter? 
I can make a very similar argument between store number two and store number three, where I can say, listen, store number two and store number three, they also have the same 150 dresses. So why does it matter? Like you're shopping for a wedding dress. Why does it matter that I have to ask you about how you met your partner and your love story and the visual aesthetic of your wedding? It's literally the same dress, the same transaction. And to that I say, as a customer, the way that you interact is going to feel really different for you. So yes, in the end of the day, store number one, store number two, and store number three have the same 150 dresses. But which of those three stores is generating the most business? Even if you as a customer, let's say you as a customer don't really care so much about whether the sales clerk is transactional, we have to look overall at which of these three stores is generating the most business and matching the most brides, like the highest number of brides with their dresses. It's going to be store number three, right? So this matters to to humans. It for sure matters to me. Like if I'm in this example, I'm always going to choose store number three. That sounds much better to me, especially for something as special as like a wedding dress. You can see then that it's not just about the fact that your content is clear and organized and creates a positive first impression on your audience and feels really easy to navigate, but you also want to make sure that when you're communicating, especially with executives, especially like this, I cannot emphasize to you how important this is. When you are communicating with executives, you want to go beyond the transactional and you want to make the way you're communicating deeply inspirational and deeply personalized to those executives' interests and the things that matter to them most. So just like when someone is shopping for a wedding dress, it is so special for them and it has so much meaning for them. I want you to think about those executives and their KPIs and them delivering results across the organization as their wedding dresses, right? Every single executive has a goal that in their heart holds the importance and urgency of finding the right wedding dress. That's why I love this analogy so much because I think we all have this innate understanding of how important something like a wedding dress can feel. And likewise, with these executives, their goals and what they're trying to build also feels very, very important to them. And so just like in store number three, Because this wedding dress is so important, you really want the bridal consultant to care about you and ask you questions and make sure you're having a good experience. Similarly, when you're speaking to executives, you are helping them find their wedding dress. You are helping them achieve the goals that matter most to them. Your work is relevant to them and their goals and their teams and the work that they do. That's why they are in your meeting. If you're speaking to them about something that could have potentially as much importance and emotional significance as a wedding dress, you want to make sure that your experience goes beyond the transactional. And you want to make sure that it's memorable and it hits them in the emotional areas that matter most to them. So how do you do this? You do this by making it your job to get them excited and invested. So. Just like when you walk into store number three, the sales consultant has made it their job to get you excited. The sales consultant came in and said, welcome, I want to hear about your wedding, right? So like that, the reason that sales consultant is doing such a good job is because 
they're not putting the burden on you to hold all the excitement, right? In store number two, that burden was on you. You were getting no love, nothing from the sales clerk, right? But in store number three, the salesperson took on some of that responsibility and they interacted with you in a way where they were generating the incitement. They were inspiring you about your own wedding. And that's what you wanted. You wanted to be inspired. Even though you already feel inspired, you wanted someone else outside of you to inspire you more. And that's what we're doing with executives. They are hungry. They are driven to achieve their goals. They are excited about the possibility of achieving their goals. But as someone who is aspiring or who is in a position of leadership, it is your responsibility to show up as clerk number three and inspire them more, right? So you don't want to be like store number two, where the burden is on your audience to get excited and inspired. You want to be like store number three, where you're taking on the burden and the responsibility to get your audience excited and inspired about the work that you do. And I consider this an advanced communication skill because it's very, very different than the foundations. So making sure that the wedding store is organized, making sure that your content is crisp and clear and effective is super important, but it's a very different mental muscle. It's all about clarity and simplicity and creating that seamless, easy audience experience. And then the inspiration piece is completely different. It's much more creative. It's much more about finding connections between your work and their goals. And it's also much more about finding organically where your enthusiasm is for helping them and making sure that you are bringing that into the conversation. Just like that sales clerk, that person, I would assume, who has that job really loves weddings and really loves brides. And so when someone comes in the door for their wedding dress shopping, that sales clerk can organically create inspiration, right? Like They don't have to be fake about it. They are genuinely excited. They get to their job is to get paid to help this customer find their wedding dress for their dream day. So it's not fake, yet it's intentional. It's part of the process. And that's how I want you to think about yourself and your relationship with your audience. It is your job, just like sales clerk number three, to elicit that inspiration because your executive's goals are like their wedding dresses and them hitting their goals is like their wedding day. And you are the bridal consultant coming in and depending on your role and your project, Maybe you're helping them find the wedding dress. Maybe you're planning the catering. Maybe you're helping them with the music list. But your work somehow plugs into their goals and their wedding. And sometimes it's really obvious and sometimes it's not obvious, but it's your job to ask yourself how and to ask yourself what it looks like for you to play the role of the store clerk in store number three and elicit that inspiration from your audience. When you are doing this consistently, when your content is clear and crisp and easy to understand, and you're eliciting inspiration from your audience and speaking to them that draws on their existing interest and excitement about the work that they do and their own goals, when you're doing those things, you will make an unforgettable impression and your work is going to feel so different. It's going to go from feeling like people are there listening to your meeting, half paying attention, half not, to like they are invested. You are working on this work with them. They are a part of this. They are supporting you. They are helping you. It is going to change the dynamic. It is going to change the effectiveness of the work that you do. And it is going to change how you are perceived. 
in the organization. Because like I said, stores number one, two, and three all sell the same 150 dresses, but guaranteed when the executives are wedding dress shopping at all three stores, they are going to remember and they are going to push for store number three as the one that they want to get behind and support. So your goal should be to be like store number three, and you want to take advantage of every opportunity, every interaction, every meeting, every informal conversation. I want you to imagine that that executive is stepping into your store, and you want to make sure that you're distinguishing yourself as store number three. It is going to have an enormous impact on your career, and it is what helps take you from someone who, you know, everyone knows does really good work to someone who's seen as a leader and who's clearly on that leadership track. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I know I'm getting super excited and passionate. I love this so much. And I hope that this example was helpful. I hope it made things click for you in your mind. And I would love to invite you to master all of these steps with me inside the Art of Speaking Up Academy. The curriculum of that program is built around these concepts. So I teach you first the foundational work of making sure your content is crisp and clear, but then we layer on these advanced communication skills. You learn them very deeply. You get to practice applying them so that you have an understanding of how to elevate your verbal and written communication to a level that is going to consistently impress the executives around you and leave them with a really strong impression of you and your work. And As you do that, your confidence grows by leaps and bounds. And that is what I am here to help you with. If you know that you want to take this work deeper, if it is super important for you to distinguish yourself by developing these capabilities, head over to justgazetcoaching.com slash academy and add yourself to the waitlist for the Art of Speaking Up Academy. You will be first notified when I open another cohort. And I strongly recommend making sure you're on the waitlist if you know that you want to be part of a few future Art of Speaking Up Academy cohort, because the last cohort I opened filled up just off of the waitlist before I even had a chance to announce it publicly. So you want to make sure that you're on there so that you don't miss the next enrollment and so that you have the chance to take your career, your confidence, and your communication skills to the next level. You can head to the show notes to reference everything that I mentioned in today's episode. You will see the link to the free resource library. I will link the Art of Speaking Up Academy so you can learn about that program and add yourself to the waitlist. Thank you so much for being here. It is such an honor to get to support you. And I look forward to hearing your stories about your evolution to becoming wedding dress store number three. Have a beautiful day and I'll catch you next week. Bye.